asked to introduce Calvin and Nicole, and I said at the first service that introducing Calvin and Nicole is kind of like introducing Justin Trudeau. You, you know of them. You know kind of what it is that they do, something about what they do, but now you get a chance to actually get to know more about what they do. I was talking with Calvin in the break, and he made a comment, and I want to agree with him on this, and Nicole, this comment's for you, because he said, that, that, that gal, she can preach. And yes, she can. You're in for a blessing today. Well, now you've set the bar really high. So, thanks. Um, I also listened to my husband um, pray and was like, man, he should be the one preaching all the time. Why am I up here? Um, okay. Oh, there we are. All right, good morning. Feels like we've seen a lot of seeing the same faces as this morning. <laughs> it's like a double. Um, but welcome to those who are here for the second service. Um, if you don't know, I am Nicole, and this is my husband, Kelvin, and our two girls just went out, Marcy and Amina. We have one more here, which I'm realizing is partly why I was quite out of breath this morning, but it's all good. Um, I, I want to start by just explaining to you guys, um, maybe you don't know, not all the time do uh, congregations know exactly everything their church does for their missionaries. And so I wanted to just explain some of the ways that your church has supported us in the last few years. Uh, number one, you guys give out of your church budget. We get um, a good amount of money every year from you guys, so I want to say thank you for um, continuing to give to your church because it is also helping us as well. We have a ton of individuals in this church who give to us regularly, monthly, um, which is a huge blessing to us. And then we have a ton of, of, of individuals who give for our specific needs as a family or if we need something specific, um, they, they step up and they give or if I need, if I ask for something. We've also had a number of people be so touched by some of the stories we've shared in the past that they want to do more. We had someone in this church provide two wheelchairs and finish off a dear friend of ours education last year, uh, two years ago, who helped us to provide two wheelchairs for our dearest friends and ministry friends um, in Mombasa, for his wife who lost her leg to diabetes and for their daughter who is um, severely disabled. And then their son is the first one to have finished university and someone in this church helped that do that. And it was a really big thing. They're um, amazing, amazing Muslim family that we've been able to know in Mombasa. This church likes to check in on us. They're very in, intuitive with what we need. They like to email us, message us, um, active on Facebook and emailing. And we just love hearing from so many people. Um, and we know that you guys pray for us regularly. We know that. You email us, you tell us you're praying, and we can feel it. So we want to say thank you for all the ways that you care, whether you knew or not, <laughs> all the ways that you help us and you care for us um, as your missionaries. Just want to give a quick update of what's been happening in the last few years since we left. Uh, we were here almost two years ago, and um, 
we came to a point with our youth ministry in Mombasa that we felt that a lot of the things we were pursuing, the doors were closing on. And we kept asking God, okay, what are we doing? Where are we going? And at the same time, our really good friends who run a medical ministry were starting to um, really expand and grow and asked if we would join their leadership team. It was on the other side of the country in a rural, rural community. So we decided, okay, God, we'll pack up and we'll go and join with them and minister. This picture was taken about an hour from our home. There was this really neat park that we'd go on the weekends and we'd go for a hike to get out. And uh, they had giraffes and antelopes and all this stuff. It was also right beside the city of E10, which is where all the world marathon runners are from. Just if you know, if you know Elliot Kipchoge, he's running around these giraffes right here. Um, so part of what we did for a year in the village was we managed medical facilities. We had two medical facilities. This was one. We had this one as well. It was another clinic. And then we were part of opening this um, large hospital that was in construction when we arrived. And by the time we left, it was actually operational. And part of what Kelvin and I did a lot of was uh, management. Kelvin was huge in the management of the staff, as well as the strengthening the HR department. When we arrived, we had 11 staff, and when we left, we had over 50 staff. And so Kelvin was a really big part of transitioning that um, and, and really just pouring into the staff. Uh, they, grow, they grew to really love him and me, but they really, really appreciated um, the ways that he advocated for them. And uh, we had everyone from cleaners to doctors and eye doctors and dentists and nurses and lab techs and everything in between. Um, this was a really fun day of team building that we all did, playing musical, musical chairs is timeless for even like the most elderly people, no offense, but this was a really fun day of just joy and musical chairs. Part of what I did was manage all of our visiting teams and uh, uh, short-term missionaries. And in the span of about six months, we had over 50 visitors from all over the world who came, and we had to host them in our, in our village. So we did a lot of home visits. Uh, the man in the green is one of our longtime patients named Wilson, and he has elephantiasis where his legs have all swole, swollen up and he comes to treatment at our facilities three times a week. I also did a lot of coordinating of outreaches with our teams. This was um, in a community where, known as a unreached people group, so their, their Bible has, was in the process of being translated into their language. And we did a medical outreach with a team from Canada and the US. And these big buckets are these really neat water filter systems that can clean out pretty much, take water out of mud. They were pretty cool. So we did that. Um, we did a lot of training of staff. This was a particular training of our maternity nurses where we trained them to, um, it's called helping babies breathe. So um, helping babies after they are born struggle if they're struggling with breathing or, or whatever. So it was a good, I was pretending. That was really fun though. Um, and this was, again, just the amount of visitors we had. These were tons of visitors. We did a big medical outreach in our hospital about a year ago. Oh, 
This was a jigger outreach. Um, <laughs> we had this one patient who had a brain tumor and um, we were able to help her with getting brain surgery, but in the process, our chaplain noticed that all the kids in the village had jiggers, which are little mites that kind of dig into your feet and lay egg sacs. Um, and so we decided that we would come back to the home and we, I think, uh, did about 30 or 40 children that day um, of digging out egg sacs, little larvae out of their feet. Um, although I'm not medical, it is very normal practice. Most people in Kenya do know how to dig out jiggers from everyone's feet, so I was not overstepping my boundaries there. Um, this was one of our last home visits a few months ago. The woman in the middle came to our attention because she was really suffering. She's HIV positive, had no food. Um, eight children and all of their fathers were either gone or dead. And she just needed some encouragement. So we went, we brought her a whole bunch of food. Uh, Kelvin is there in the middle. Plus we have a couple pastors and one of our nurses who was able to speak with her. And uh, we were able to get her proper medication for some infections she had and uh, some other things. And these are my children. We lived in a very rural community and they, they embraced life so well. They were full of joy. This particular tire swing was gifted to us. It's actually an old airplane tire from um, Samaritan's Purse. But they did so well out there. They lived a really good life. They played with chickens and cows and they got to know all the neighbors and would go on walks through all the cornfields. And um, they really, in my mind, they thrived out there. It was really wonderful. Um, when COVID hit this year, uh, Kenya kind of locked down really fast. And that caused a bit of anxiety for us because we are a different tribe. Kelvin in Kenya, there's still a lot of tribes. And Kelvin is a different tribe than the one we, we lived amongst. And we were concerned that if there were tensions because of lockdown, uh, we could be a target. So we decided to pack up and head to back to Mombasa, the city where we were, to wait it out. Um, and during that time, I think we realized that uh, we loved the medical ministry, but our hearts were really back in Mombasa with our youth, and especially the growing Islamic community there. But one of these, the overarching theme that kind of resonated throughout our last few years of ministry was um, the theme of the one, one person. And this was presented to us by a visitor who came and he quoted the scripture where the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and finds the one. That the one is precious enough for that person, that shepherd to go and look for. Um, it's the truth that God passionately pursues us, that he pours unlimited resources into us, that he chases us fiercely and he moves mountains for even just one person so that one person can know healing and restoration and redemption and peace, and that that one person can know the immeasurable love and saving grace of Father. One person. I think about other examples in the Bible. There's so many where God pursued one person. And I think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and how Jesus walked through um, Samaria to get there has a Jewish man and he spoke to a Samaritan woman and offered her living water 
outside of the boundaries of the norm, outside of um, the rules of the day. Um, but he passionately pursued one person. Or I think about the woman at the, who touched the hem of his garment, who was bleeding for 12 years and just wanted healing. And he's surrounded by people. Jesus is healing and he's surrounded by people. And yet he goes, who touched me? And his disciples go, well, Lord, there's lots of people touching you. You're surrounded. And he, he feels the one. He knows that one, one person. And so um, I can easily stand here and I can tell you of all the youth that are in our programs and all the people we've touched. I can tell you of the thousands of patients that um, my hospital has treated and our clinics have seen and the outreaches has, have gone to. But I just want to share a couple individuals that we have had the pleasure of watching God pursue passionately over the last few years and how God has used us and he's even used you guys as your church, Balfour Church, um, to, to work in the lives of these people. This young man is named Zeddy. And Zeddy has been in our programs for about 10 years. He was a very troubled kid when he was younger. And Kelvin and I used to do a lot of um, stepping in as his guardians in schools and, and everything else. His mother is a single mother who sits literally on the corner of the same street every single day and sells fries, fried potatoes to provide. A very strong Muslim family. But Zeddy started encountering some mental health issues that run in his family a number of years ago, and he was, um, has been in and out of jail. Kelvin has gone numerous times to prison to bail him out and to negotiate um, sentencing and all that kind of stuff. We've helped him that way. This year we did food relief. When COVID happened, um, there's a lot of people in Kenya who live hand to mouth that what they work for that day, they eat at night. They live, they make a buck a day, they eat it at night. And when COVID hit, we saw a lot of hunger. So we did a, f a round of food relief in May and Zeddy's mother was someone who um, many community members actually approached us and said, can you help her? Because again, she's a single mom with a troubled son and she sells fried potatoes on the side of the road. So we were able to give something to her. And a few months later, uh, your church gave us a, a very significant amount of money to be able to do another um, food relief. And we targeted young boys like Zeddy. And so this was some of the food that Zeddy got um, that day. And after that picture was taken, his mom, who is, who's, a, who's a nice enough lady, but very cold, and came and approached Kelvin and said, I have not had food for a week. I have not been able to feed my children for a week. So you guys have provided relief right at the right time. And uh, it was very unlike her character to be so warm and to thank us for what, she w what we were doing and also showed us that God is using us and God is using you guys um, to impact their lives. And we just keep praying for Zeddy and his mom that they would continue to be pursued by God and they would know how much God is pursuing them. This was another young man in our program, Clarence. And Clarence was, we sponsored him years ago to go to an, a Christian agriculture school where he got saved and he learned all these skills. And when he graduated, he came back to Mombasa, ended up getting a nice girl pregnant and had to then begin actually providing so he did agriculture programs for a while. Five years later, 
I'm walking on the beach. Mombasa is on the Indian Ocean. So we are at the beach. And I hear this, this like guy yelling, Mrs. Opio, Mrs. Opio. And he's viciously running after me. And I'm, I turn around and it is Clarence. And I was so happy to see him. He, he, had this, he has this really big smile and he was telling me all about his wife and the kids he now has and the programs and the agriculture projects he has that he's able to provide for his family. But I struggled because he was, um, it was very apparent he was very high. Um, he had been sitting at the beach with his friends doing drugs, which is not uncommon, but um, discouraging for me who knew he was saved, who knew he came to Jesus and yet was still falling into the patterns of the world. About two years ago, Kelvin holds a big tournament at our field and who comes? Clarence. Clarence comes up to me with his big smile and goes, Mrs. O'Veal. And I go, yes. And he goes, guess what? And he, I, I go, what? He goes, I'm saved. And I kind of looked at him. I said, I thought you were already saved. Like, didn't this happen years ago? And he goes, no, now I'm really saved. And he began to explain to me how Jesus had, um, he had just given up his life and, and to Jesus together. And he explained, Kelvin then went and followed up to see if it was true, just because sometimes they don't always tell us the truth. And Kelvin went, and I guess Kadenge, or his other name is Kadenge, Clarence started telling Kelvin how God had been speaking to him through dreams. And in his dreams, Kelvin and me and the pastor from the agriculture school kept telling him to follow Jesus until he finally realized that God was really pursuing him um, which was really, really neat and also really, really weird knowing that we were being used in someone's dream. But God works in amazing ways, and I'm so glad that he pursued G Clarence, and Clarence followed him. And now Clarence has other soccer teams that we, now, we also support because he likes working with young boys and teaching them about Jesus. And so we had given him some balls and cones and whatever he kind of needs here and there. And this little, last little gentleman is named Clinton, and we met him at a medical outreach a while ago, and um, he, he came to us very sick. He was on his deathbed. He was not breathing properly. He was lethargic, um, raging uh, infection throughout his body. And we quickly rushed him to a bigger government hospital, and they mistreated him, and he came out weighing less than what he had beforehand and in the weeks after that it was this really big pursuit of getting Clinton well and I'm telling you this is how God uses people and resources unlimited for one little child who weighs six kilograms God used our entire team thousands of dollars of resources and time and money to pursue him with our staff including Kelvin going to the home constantly to encourage the family and the family had big issues with witchcraft the father was really into witchcraft and even cut out the the dangle thing in the back of his throat we couldn't figure out what that was called earlier um huh uvula thank you um we, they cut it out for witchcraft purposes uh the woman the mother was really nervous about being beaten because the husband would beat her so she didn't do anything beyond his control and after weeks and weeks and weeks of pursuit, we finally managed to convince them 
to get into a big hospital where he was able to be treated for HIV, tuberculosis, malnutrition, and all the infections that he had. Mom and dad also came out HIV positive, and we were able to set them up with ARV drugs, which is the drug to um, treat HIV, and they now consistently are doing well. This was him just a few months ago, and he has gained weight. He's still on the path to getting better. He's not doing, he's not fully there yet, but his chances of living are way higher than dying, unlike when we first met him. And uh, he's an incredibly grumpy little child. He does not smile. You would think he would, but I, although maybe I wouldn't either if I had HIV and TB and whatever else too. Uh, but this was one of our nurses who literally walked with the family hand in hand. And we, she gave up her time and her money to be with her, them. Um, Clinton really just showed me how much God will use anybody and everything, no matter how unwilling we are. I mean, he's so grumpy. We can be grumpy, but God will use people and money and, and everything he has to pursue one person so they may know healing and love and redemption. And I don't put it even past God to send us an entire family and have us across the world um, to help just one person. Um, I think even Judy was mentioning about the boxes. We don't know where they'll happen and how God mobilizes people and finances to show love to just even one person. Um, so I guess my challenge is to ask you guys how, to, how you can be a part of it. How is God asking you to be a part of his pursuit of even just one person? And then also to recognize that we are the one to him, that he is the one who passionately loves us and pursues us. And there's so many moments in my life where I've watched God use people, even people in this church, to love me and to show me how much um, he, he just he loves me. So we hit COVID, we came back to Mombasa, we realized, you know, God, this is where we're supposed to be. Then we got pregnant and said, you know what, let's head home to Canada to have the baby and we are due for a furlough every two years, so we came home. But we are returning in April this year. Um, and a few things, I had mentioned that doors had closed before we went to the village and now we are watching doors open again. And one of our biggest things that doors that have opened is um, female soccer and for those who don't know prior to the medical world we did a ton of youth ministry especially young men through soccer and Kelvin brilliantly started an organization in Mombasa where we have hundreds of youth and teams and boys playing and essentially getting them under good mentors we mentor coaches and getting them out of the streets and out of gangs and violence. And um, the program is running really well. But one thing was this year, we had all these girls. This is the girls that won our girl team, our girls tournament this year. And they um, are very fierce and scary. And afterwards, they came up to Kelvin and just demanded for more. They said, you guys are the only people in this city, we're a city of about a million people, who do anything competitive for soccer, for girls, for soccer. Um, 
And so we are going to go back and continue to build a girls program uh, and, and see where God takes that now. The next big thing we're doing is our year of medical missions showed Kelvin and I just how much we love doing medical missions um, to the point where both of us have actually gone back to university to study health services and management. Um, and one of the biggest areas we saw in Mombasa that needed help was maternal child health. And so we're going back and we're going to focus on running programs, education programs with maybe the eventual idea of starting our own medical facility for women to give birth. But this was just one, one, one baby. Um, the young man holding him is one of our boys named Alan, who Kelvin has faithfully walked with and discipled over the years. And him and his wife tried for years to have a baby and finally got pregnant. And then only to realize that she had major complications at birth to the point where she almost lost her life. And Kelvin, we got a phone call at 3 a.m. one morning that um, she had gone into labor. And we got a phone call a few hours later of Alan breaking down saying to Kelvin, I'm watching my wife die. And so Kelvin got in the car and managed to mobilize them to get, and she had a three-hour C-section. Um, and Kelvin and Alan sat together in the car and prayed because it wasn't looking well. But we're happy to announce baby is fine, and so is mom. And they actually named the baby Kelvin. So that's little baby Kelvin on the screen right there. Um, but it's another way where God will mobilize people. God knew we would be in Mombasa at that time. God knew that we would be available, that we would be able to be there for this, this, this child and how he uses us to pursue one person. And so we just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything that you guys do for us. Um, we are here for another few months, so we hope to come back um, and see you again. But uh, just know that we are so appreciative and that God is using you um, to work in the lives of people like Alan and Clinton and, and Clarence and, and Zeddy. So thank you.